Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And today we've got a very special episode for you. It is our third season finale, episode 3030. Hooray! We hey, did hey. it! I can't believe it. We made it to 30. <laughs> yeah, that'll be me in a couple of years. Hush, um, hush, your, hush your face. <laughs> hush my face. Uh, as always, our season finales, we sit down, we throw out a topic, and then we take a week to build a deck. So we have done that. Right, Bruce? Yes. Yes, we have. Um, the, the theme this week is, drumroll please, <laughs> Monarch. Hey! Bruce came up with this idea. King uh, me! Yeah. Um, and the only two restrictions I had were you can't use, you cannot use a legendary creature as your commander that specifically has Monarch in its text. Because... So no Jared Carthalian. Yes. Uh, no, no... Queen Marchesa. That said, we can have those cards in our 99, right? Absolutely. Oh, phew. Well, you can. I can't. Because I've chosen a commander that doesn't fit those colors. Yeah, well... I went the obvious route and chose a five-color commander, uh, but we'll get there eventually. A five-color commander with yeah. a monarch theme? I wonder, mm. who could it possibly be? Golos, right? Uh, we'll, we'll be back to that right after the break, but for now... <laughs> uh, let's let's toss it over to our uh, reporter, Eye in the Sky, Bruce. Uh, Bruce, how's traffic looking? <laughs> Traffic up here is looking pretty good. Uh, everything seems to be moving <laughs> along quite nicely. Uh, back to you, Andy. Oh, well, uh, thank you, Bruce. Uh, I'm glad that uh, traffic is smooth on the freeway. Um, and uh, back to our regularly scheduled program. Hey. Bruce, uh, let's let's go over your deck first. Sure. All right. So I took the genius idea of Monarch and decided, you know what? That just isn't quite hard enough. So... Uh, I opted for three themes. The first is I specifically went after Monarch cards. I really like the way Monarch plays in Commander, so I wanted to use it. So I've added a number of cards that have, or make me the Monarch in the deck. Uh, the other part is, well, I went for Royalty. And so that's a running theme in the deck as well. Uh, my Commander is Yenit, Cryptic Sovereign. Yet more Royalty. Yenit, Cryptic Sovereign, has uh, a 3-5. Flying Vig Menace for 5 mana, 2 white, blue, black. Legendary creature, Sphinx. When Yennet Cryptic Sovereign attacks, reveal the top card of your library. If that card's converted mana cost is odd, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Otherwise, draw a card. I mean, I feel like a, an odd mana cost is uh, pretty, pretty subjective. <laughs> <laughs> I know that a lot of the Yennet decks I have seen online... Uh, they keep in mind when you draw the card. So, you know, you get to draw the card when Yenit attacks. Well, that's great. So, in other words, if you're drawing a counter spell, it doesn't need to be an odd mana value because you're not looking to play it exactly then. So you get to just draw it. So you put it in your hand. So a lot of decks run with the idea that, well, you know, there's some even mana-costed cards. Uh, I just <laughs> said nuts to that. Uh, Every single card in this deck has an odd mana value, uh, except two. Two? Yes, there are two. Oh, yep, I see them. Uh, three. Three? Did I add a third? Three. Uh-oh. It's okay. We'll get to them. All right, we'll get to them. 
Um, but either way, I made a pointed effort of trying to make sure everything was an odd mana cost. Most of the cards in the deck are permanents. I'm the guy who plays commanders that have blue and then doesn't load his deck with instants and sorceries. Almost all of my card draw is either a creature or an enchantment because I want it to be recurring at least a little bit. Um, I have a number of planeswalkers that also let me draw cards. but uh, So virtually everything is something that be dropped right into play. Something I don't know that I'm, I've taken as much advantage of as I probably should have is that Yenet lets me cast them for free. Uh, I should probably have more permanents in here that cost either seven or nine, and there's really not that many. Uh, there are some that there are some in here, but uh, not to the extent that I've seen in other decks. And you know, Sensei's Divining Top is not in here, and it really ought to be. That was, uh, that was an error on my part that I'm just thinking about now. But in any event, as with every other uh, season finale episode, we'll make sure to have the link to each of these decks in the show notes. Mm. Um, not surprisingly, Amanatu works really well in this deck. Oh. Um, it gives me card draw. And then I put a, put a card from my hand on top of the library. So it gives you a little bit of a Sensei's Divining Top, because you can draw, oh, yeah, look at that. draw your card and then just take more, your most expensive, odd mana-costed card, put it on top of your library, and swing with Yennet. Uh, another card I put in there was uh, Lolf's Spider Queen. Ooh. As of us recording this episode, it's only just been spoiled. So, But hey, when a card it costs five, has four loyalty, and for zero, I can draw a card and lose one life, uh, I'm going to take that all by itself. And then there's the some of the, the typical card draw stuff. Rhystic Study, Phyrexian Arena. I don't think that's a shocker to anyone. A card I really liked putting in here was Vega the Watcher. Whenever you cast a spell anywhere other than your hand, draw a card. Well, Yennet lets you cast the card when she attacks. But you cast it for zero. But it still means you're casting it. So Vega then lets you draw a card. So with Vega and Yennet out, you draw a card to start your turn. Yennet attacks. Flip the card. Play it. And when you play it, Vega lets you draw another card. So I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good churn. Pretty spicy. So yeah, it's fun. As far as the uh, the monarch cards in the deck, I went with the uh, I went with the courts. So court of ambition, court of cunning, court of grace. Court of grace can be a little underwhelming, but I think uh, you know it only takes I think one turn with the monarch and getting a four four angel, and you pretty much got got your money's worth out of this one i mean or even like just getting a couple one white like the fact that the base spirit creature tokens that you get have flying Mm -hmm. like make this so hard to deal with um and uh you're you're getting a nice blocker body Uh, absolutely i also like the court of ambition Uh, Mm. each opponent losing three life and discarding a card that's pretty harsh yeah, to me that is reason enough to get rid of to, for everybody to want this card gone. <laughs> and if you're the monarch, then they lose six and discard two. That starts getting into the ugly realm, you know, where I'm gonna start forcing you to discard cards that you genuinely do not want to lose. And if I keep you at zero, it makes it that much harder for you to take the monarch away from me in the first place. Now we mentioned a few of these cards that were even for the mana cost. Uh, Court of Ambition and Court of Grace are two of those cards. As we've already discussed, I mean, I couldn't justify taking these out. Oh, absolutely. I just couldn't. I mean... You need you need as many ways to proc getting the monarchy as possible. Um, the third is in your removal suite, Austere Command. But Oh, that's right. Um, 
Uh, austere. I mean, it's it's a solid card. Well, austere command was one of the one is one of the late additions. Um, mm. I wanted more ways to get rid of uh, artifacts and enchantments because at the time uh, I only had a handful of cards that would get rid of all permanents, ah. uh, and that was fine. But I wanted something a little bit more. And uh, as soon as I start looking for cards that can get rid of artifacts and enchantments. Austere Command is is a go-to for me. Yeah. At worst, you're revealing this off of Yennet, and now your opponents know you have it, so they're going to be slowing down a little and a bit of a rattlesnake. So Absolutely. it's Yennet does a lot of that, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, even if it's an odd mana cost, I don't have to play it. Right. Uh, I mean, it's going to be rare when I'm going to find a situation when I don't want to, but I don't have to. So... In theory, if I flip the crib swap, I don't have to play it right there. I can just sit on it. And then everybody knows it's there. They know that, you know, okay, you swing at Bruce with something big and beefy. You can expect to see the crib swap hit play, and then it's just gone. And as long as everybody remembers that, and they will because I'll remind them regularly, then, you know, you're going to get a number of turns when stuff isn't coming your way that probably should be coming your way. Mm. Um, I guess the last little piece that I wanted to go over was the royalty package. I included a, a handful of cards that are somehow tied to royalty. There's, uh, I mean, the weakest of the bunch is most un- is undoubtedly the beloved princess, but hey, a one-one for one with lifelink. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting that can't be blocked by creatures with a power of three or greater. I know full well that th- all this means is that if you get to play it on turn one, you might be able to swing on turn two and gain one life. Maybe. And after that, you're probably never going to get to attack with this thing because there, there's always going to be a creature with a power of three or less, or sorry, with a power of two or less on the table that can block it. There's just too many tokens, and anybody will be happy to chump block your 1-1 one, one lifelink. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. the idea behind it is probably to pump it up or to f- load it with plus one, plus ones, especially since, I mean, you have Heliod Suncrowned. They work stupendously together right um and she fit the theme so why yeah. not um her brother the uh, the prince unfortunately cost two mana and i just like no i don't think so no we're just, <laughs> we're, we're, you're not going to wreck the theme then there's the uh, uh i guess some of the other obvious ones that you would expect brimaz king of orescos the the sorceress queen i don't think is a big shock um, I also included Coffin Queen. I like the idea of it. And Andy, you've already mentioned Heliod Suncrowned. Mm. Um, King of the Gods. Yes. Uh, two cards in particular that I thought fit the theme and that I thought carry a little bit of power with them. Uh, the Crown of Doom. Uh, Doom! Yes. Doomed! He's doomed! Um, it's a three-mana artifact. It says whenever a creature attacks or attacks you or a planeswalker you control that creature gets plus two plus zero until the end of the turn well goodness bruce why would you ever choose to play that card well because the second (laughs) ability reads for two mana target player other than the crown of doom's owner meaning me gains control of it activate this ability only during your turn don't be fooled it doesn't actually cost three it costs five but my hope is that it gets flipped when yenid attacks gets played for free and then I spend two mana, give it to somebody else, and let them have to deal with it. And at that point, it it turns into hot potato. 
<laughs> um, there's a part of me that, that's a sweet card it is i keep trying to read it and i'm like what oh my god right uh now it says whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control so if one of my opponents is a token deck i mean 10 one one tokens will happily attack the person holding the crown of doom mm. and watch as they all become three ones um and since you can only pay that mana on your turn, you have to pay it. You can't keep that card. You can't let that stay in, stay on your side of the table. It's got to go. Yeah. Um, so you want to be shifting it all the time. Well, okay, then just shift it to whoever you're going to attack. Because you're just giving all of your creatures a plus two on the front end. So I, I like the idea. I like the card. Um, and I particularly liked like the fact that it's it fit the theme. So... We'll drop that crown of doom on somebody's head and see how that goes. <laughs> um, the other one, as part of the royalty theme that I really like, is Sunscorch Region. And I think most people know this card. Um, it's been around for a little bit. It's uh, five mana, it's three and two white. It's a four, three flying white dragon. And it says, whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Sunscorch Region, and you gain one life. How many spells do you think get cast by my opponents in just one round? Mm. I'm going to guess three. Let's say three. At least, yeah. Right. So on my next turn, I'm now looking at a 7-6 creature, and I've gained three life. And I know that little tiny bit of life gain just doesn't seem like a whole lot. In the greater scheme of things, your opponents see it that way too. It's three life whatever but the regent is getting huge and that life piles up especially if you sit there with the regent and make it clear you're just gonna block <laughs> then suddenly no one is all that worried they stop worrying about the size of this massive flying creature and they forget completely that you're gaining one life every time because it's just this is an heuristic study where i have to ask you if you're gonna pay one i just reach over and bump my life total up by one and then eventually at some point somebody asks me what my life total is and it's you know 10 15 points higher than anybody else's and suddenly everybody's wondering what the hell just happened <laughs> so i really like this card i don't play with it enough and i want to be playing with it more often so um gotta play more white bruce just pick get it yeah gonna try gonna try so um other than that i mean you know, the removal package. I've got uh, Crib Swap, King's Assassin, Sky Sovereign as mm. cards that sort of that fit the royalty theme. So there, there are cards that work now, to be fair. Luminant Primordial, Dismantling Wave, Austere Command that we've already talked about, Angel of Despair. They don't really fit the Monarch theme, but probably better removal than stuff that fits the theme. But I wanted to make sure I had enough removal and if it didn't all fit theme well, so be it. Yeah, I feel like uh, along there too, you could have included i mean with some sort of conversation with the group ahead of time you could have probably included regicide good call yeah those are always tough ones because it's like you gotta pick colors beforehand um so like regicide for those who don't know is a one mana instant it says reveal regicide as you draft it it's from conspiracy take the crown uh the player to your right chooses a color you choose another color, then the player to your left chooses the third color. Destroy target creature that's one or more of the colors chosen as you draft cards named Regicide. It's interesting because, uh, I mean, you've played with Paliano, yeah. the high city, before. And basically, to kind of homebrew a method of playing this in in any sort of kitchen table type game, uh, 
before the game, before you anybody reveals their commanders, just like let everybody know, like, hey, I'm playing Regicide. Uh, choose a color. Uh, just ask, you know, the person you're right and the person you're left, and then you get to choose a color as well. And hopefully they'll line up with uh, <laughs> some sort of the colors. I mean... Yeah, and I mean, it's something that we could even... I would want to make that choice before anybody revealed their commander. Yeah, um, just to kind of have it be a bit more fair. Well, yeah, because I mean, you know, the player to my left and the player to my right will simply pick colors that are not in their commander, and that's fine. But if they know what that fourth opponent is playing, they'll just pick those colors. So, Andy, were there any cards in particular that you wanted to talk about, or or did I did I hit them all? So obviously, we've both had some monarch sweets. Uh, but uh, you you chose some ones that uh, are different, which is nice. Um, different than I had chosen. Right. Um, I really like the Staunch Throne Guard. Actually, I did too, and it was a card that I wasn't expecting to find. I'm less aware of some of the newer cards that have come out in the set, and this was one yeah. of the ones that just sort of caught me by surprise. It's no powerhouse, it's <laughs> five mana for a two five vig. That's fine, but you know, it just it fits theme and. You know, it gets you the monarch back without having to be in a situation where you have to attack. Um, and, you know, that's not always the easiest thing to do. I will say that with Yenit, I mean, Yenit's goal is to attack. That's how you're getting the card advantage. Right. Yenit is flying, vigilance, and menace. So flying means it's hard to get enough blockers up for it. Vigilance means that it's still there to defend it if you need it. And Menace, now your opponent needs two flying creatures to be able to block it. So quite often that's just going to get through and do the damage when you need it to. But The the one card that I found really interesting in this deck is Curator's Ward. Okay. Um, my, my first full set was Dominaria. And I remember this card fought, uh, very vividly because, it, I mean, it was an uncommon, so it would show up everywhere. But I feel like nobody ever used it. <laughs> But like, I mean, for three mana, it's an it's an aura, and it says Enchanted Permanent has hexproof, so that's any permanent. And when it leaves, when Enchanted Permanent leaves the battlefield, it, if it was historic, draw two cards. I've been obsessed with uh, the idea of historic cards in Commander because I feel like so many of maybe not this deck specifically, but I feel like a lot of decks are loaded with, I mean, it's legendaries, artifacts. And sagas, um, yeah. Well, and which I mean, this deck's got plenty of all of that. Yeah. Um, um, there's there's a ton of artifacts in the deck. There's obviously legendary, yeah, legendary creatures. I've got yeah, I've got a few, you know, I've got more than just a couple. Um, Planeswalkers are technically legendary, right? And I mean, I even have a saga. I will say that realistically, the curator's ward is going on Yenit, right? Virtually every time. Um, yeah. I just like the idea that okay. So now, if you're going to stop Yenit, you have to stop Yenit the hard way. You need to yeah. have two flyers. Um, and even if it does die, drawing two cards as the... Uh, that's, a, that's a solid consolation prize. So, mm. I liked it. Yeah. Um, with that, I, let's, let's give Bruce a round of applause for that beautiful deck. Hey, hey! Um, let's... Uh, let's quickly go to commercial break we'll have an intermission um come back for act two uh my deck um be right back (laughs) 
This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Brago, King Eternal. There seems to be some sort of technical difficulties, uh, so back to you guys. Hey, welcome back. Hey, hey. Hope you enjoyed our little ad. Uh, that'll be the last one for the season. Andy, uh, I just have as to reminder, say it was hysterical. I don't know where you. I don't know how you come up with this stuff. You know, just sometimes it just comes to me. Uh, just as a reminder, as always, uh, we'll be taking the next two weeks off from releasing episodes, but we will be working hard to get you to season four. Um, we'll be back in two weeks. But before that, let's talk about my deck. Sounds good. Right. Let's do it. So when I was a little boy, no, uh, when I heard that we were going to do Monarch decks, I thought long and hard about what I wanted to do. And originally, I had picked Sengir the Dark Baron, and I had partnered him with Kedis, uh, the Ember Claw Familiar, um, right. which, uh, whenever a commander you control deals damage, combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to each other opponent, which just seemed really sweet. Um, you know, you, you attack the Monarch and also deal damage to your other opponents. Um, so I figured that was a pretty good spot um but i hit a roadblock i guess a, an artistic wall uh very quickly it was fine i it was weird because i think i ended up going very like madness heavy um just as like a sub theme uh and it i got to like 30 cards and i was like mm, i don't know where to go with this and then i remembered i had a kenrith deck that i had been working on pretty much since eldraine came out um i Wanted to do Kenrith, the Return King, but like very group huggy um, and goad heavy. This is a very long card. Uh, if you don't know what it is, I'll read it to you. Kenrith, the Returned King. It's four and a white for a 5-5. Five, five. Legendary creature, human, noble. He's got five activated abilities. Uh, the first one is red. All creatures gain trample and haste until end of turn. It's pretty nice because you can activate it on your friend's turn. Yeah, I was just going to say that. That's one yeah. of those bonus abilities where you can really mess up somebody else's combat. The nice thing about all these abilities is that it doesn't have to be on your creatures or on your... Like, you don't have to target yourself. So, the second one is one in a green... Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. So you can uh, reward people for doing good deeds <laughs> towards you uh, or killing your enemies. Uh, two and a white. Target player gains five life. Three in blue. Target player draws a card. Four in black. Put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under its owner's control. That last one is pretty strong, uh, especially if you have ways to discount the four in black i originally had some ways to discount it but i kind of took them out because it didn't fit too thematically so yeah this this deck was very group huggy uh very um monarch based and wanted a bunch of goad so that's what i came up with um so let's start with kind of my group hug in a section i like to call i'm a benevolent leader uh, because, you know, there's I'm not doing anything sketchy with my 
group hug strategy. Wink, wink. Um, some cards I, I, uh, I mean, I put braids in here. Braids, conjurer, adept. Um, I know, I know. I put in fecundity because I, uh, I, I don't see this card being played often enough. Uh, two and a green enchantment. When a creature dies, that creature's controller draws a, or may draw a card. Put in exhum. Uh, one in a black. Each player chooses a creature card in his or her graveyard and puts that creature into play. Again, just like silly to give your opponents that ability, but it's the point of the deck. I'm a I'm a benevolent leader. Um, Girapur Ori, uh, four mana artifact. Each player may play an additional land on each of their turns. Um, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, if that player has no cards in hand, that player draws three cards. Um, I just like really went heavy with those kind of cards where it's just like, everyone gets to do it. Um, also kind of along the same lines, but very more one-sided stuff. I had my vault of treasures, um, which I labeled King's Vaults. Uh, I've got the Library of Lang, which is just a silly card that I had never heard of, but I was like, I'm... I'm putting this in here. Oh, Andy, if you've uh, never heard of Library of Lang, then I have not been doing my job. This is a card I I love for a long, long time. <clears throat> this is what people were using before Reliquary Tower existed. Um, it's pretty sweet. Yes, and that second ability is something that's really easy to forget. This is whenever a spell or effect forces you to discard, you may instead discard the card to the top of your library. Um, so it's... Uh, it's just an easy way to, again, to manipulate the top of your library. And it's something that mm. came up a lot um, in early Magic because there was a lot of discard options. Kind of along the same lines, um, the rest of this, I mean, minus Soul Ring, was uh, to make sure that I never had to have... Like, I I had access to all of the... all of my wonderful cards. Um, so I had Spellbook... Uh, which is zero mana. You have no maximum hand size artifact. Magic Mirror, which I've cast before. It's so sweet. Uh, six blue, 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 three blue, uh, and six. This spell costs one generic less to cast for each instant and sorcery in your graveyard. I don't have many. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> at the, uh, You have no maximum hand size at the beginning of your upkeep. Put a knowledge counter on the magic mirror, then draw a card for each knowledge counter on the magic mirror. So every turn you're drawing exponential. A little more, a little more, a little more. Yeah, yeah, a little more, a little more. Not exponential, but you know what I mean. Yep. And then Venser's Journal, journal, five mana. You have no maximum hand size. Uh, and gains, beginning gain of your life. upkeep, you gain life for cards in hand. So that's me as a, me as a king. I'm good to my fellow uh, man, but also I, I keep some goodies for myself. <clears throat> now... Um, as far as keeping goodies for yourself, uh, you also have one section here titled "Taxes Pay for Infrastructure." Oh, that they do. Um, you you want to? What are taxes go good this? for? They pay for infrastructure. Uh, yeah, let's let's go to there. Uh, this was actually like uh, a a remnant of when I had originally started building this deck. Uh, I had all of the tempts uh, in here. Right. Uh, I've cut it down a little, uh, but essentially just kind of like the interactive kind of. Uh, cards that involve uh, your opponents. So we've got Tempt with Dis Discovery, which uh, essentially you get to search for a land card, put it onto the battlefield. Any land card, straight on the battlefield, right. untapped. Um, 
and then each of your opponents can also do the same but with the added benefit to you that you get to do it then for each time your opponent does it so uh, hopefully up to four um you'll notice uh when you play any of these that generally people decline but uh you still get the benefit of your one and i mean even if one person says yes uh and it's well worth it and um, andy with this one i think the best way to make the offer more tempting is to make it very clear this does not say a basic it says right. search your library for a land card a lot of people just gloss over that and assume that okay so you get a swamp and then i get a swamp and you see so you get two swamps no that's not how this works it's okay I get to go find any land. Now, do you want to find any land? How would you like to find your Maze of If? Or your... Uh, reliquary, reliquary Tower. Reliquary Tower. <laughs> uh, your Rogue's Passage. Your Urbor Tomb of Yogmoth, Your Maze of If. Your Temple of the False God. Your Temple of the False God. Uh, then we can get into the more ugly stuff. Uh, you want to find uh, your guy's Cradle. That becomes a temptation that that a lot of people will take you take you up on especially if they've got a lot of funky lands kind of kind of similar with tempt with immortality you get to just take stuff out of your graveyard put it directly on the battlefield yeah uh, if somebody else wants to do it you get to do it again tempt with reflections you get to make a copy of a creature smothering tithe uh, i think we all know that one yeah. uh <laughs> uh you know the basic tax i was gonna put land tax in here but i don't have nearly enough planes i mean i have got eight in here but we'll talk about my lands in a second um infernal offering i saw this card and i was like holy crap um four and a black sorcery choose an opponent you and that player each sacrifice a creature uh each player who sacrificed a creature this way draws a card draws two cards um, sorry draws two cards thank you uh and then it says choose an opponent so this could be the same opponent or a different opponent uh, return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield then that player returns a creature card from his or her graveyard to the battlefield so you can sacrifice a creature that has an etb and then return it immediately yeah um, so you get the benefit of the while ETB killing somebody else's and draw two yeah. cards um i believe you can choose an opponent for the second part i believe you can choose an opponent who doesn't have anything in their graveyard uh. too but i mean at five mana what are the chances they don't have anything in their graveyard? Um, but who 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 benefits from these taxes? Of course, everyone does. But also, the king's small council. So we've got uh, his lovely wife, Lyndon, the steadfast queen. Uh, the mistress, Queen Marchesa. Uh, Guafa Hazid, the, the profiteer. <laughs> um, all kind of uh, whispering into his ear. Um kind of with those people um i want to make sure i can keep the crown ways i can do that are easy either something says you become the monarch uh or you know just make sure that people aren't attacking you so under my keep the crown header i've got all five courts yeah. um which court of ire is amazing yes uh, it is at worst at the beginning of your upkeep you get to shock literally anything uh, I recommend somebody's face, uh, especially the person who took the monarchy from you. <laughs> uh, or if you're the monarch, you get to do seven to any target. So pretty cool. Um, Keeper of Keys makes you the monarch, also makes your stuff unblockable. 
uh, Palace Jailer, uh, Marchese's Decree, all these uh, small things make you monarch. Um, yeah, actually, so, it's interesting. Uh, Marchese's Decree, the Palace Jailer, <laughs> the Palace Sentinels, and Thorn of the ba- Black Rose are all cards that I considered for Yennick. Uh, <laughs> but at four mana cost, none of them. Yeah, yeah I didn't want to move away you from that. Wanna screw I didn't want to move away from that theme quite that way. So, so yeah. So yeah. they all, you know, took a seat on the bench for that deck. The other way to ensure that you keep the crown is to make sure that everyone's attacking each other and not you. Right. So, uh, I've got a suite of goad-esque cards. Um, obviously, besmirch, <clears throat> bloodthirsty blade, uh, disrupt decorum. They all goad things most of these cards actually goad things then i also threw in ludovic uh who it entices people to attack not you um says at the beginning of each player's end step that player may draw a card if a player other than you lost life this turn right and then we've got pramicon sky rampart which um i don't really have a way to blink it or flicker it uh but um it's it's a 1-5, which is pretty sweet. It's a flying defender. Uh, as Premicon Sky Rampart enters the battlefield, choose left or right. Uh, each player may attack only the nearest opponent in the chosen direction and Planeswalkers controlled by, or, uh, controlled by that opponent. Um, so realistically, what this is in the deck for is defending and making sure that the person that has that is the bigger threat on either side of you goes the other way. Uh-huh. I was definitely looking so. at a deck with Pramacon as my commander that was going to involve repeated flickering to the point <laughs> where I was going to try and flicker it often enough that I would never be eligible to be attacked. And then at some point I decided, I don't know how much fun this deck is actually going to be. I mean, mm. fun for me, because I, I would find, you know, some kind of weird glee in being able to bounce the card that often and prevent everyone from attacking me. But um, in the greater scheme of things, I, I don't know that it was going to be all that much fun to do it. But I like how yeah. it's set up in this deck to go to go yeah. around like that. Um, one of the goat cards you didn't you didn't mention was Coveted Peacock. I personally really like this card. I actually have an artist proof. I just like the idea that. I mean, when it attacks, you may go target creature defending player controls. Yeah. You don't have to do combat damage here. You just have to swing. No. Um, and and I know that it's not a permanent thing, but I really like the card. Uh, I suspect it's not worth the five for what it does, but and I think that's part of the reason why we don't see it as often. But I think, yeah. I think having a repeatable goad is actually pretty valuable. Okay. Um, unfortunately, it is just one creature. Right. But like, uh, between this and uh, something I didn't put in here, which was Grenzo Havoc Razor, which goads things on. Right. Well, at least I mean that's on combat damage, but that's repeatable. Yeah. Uh, Sly Instigator, which is from the newest Commander sets uh-huh. uh, from the Strixhaven. Um, which is one and tap until next turn. Target creature and opponent controls can't be blocked. Good that creature. Also repeatable. Also very like specific. But like, it's really good um, to be able to do that. I mean, literally, as people are going into combat, or even as blockers are being declared, um, helping out 
uh, friend. Right. Or so you don't even need to use it as use it to goad if they're already right. attacking. Now you can just use it as a way to prevent them from being blocked in the first place. So I realized I didn't mention my will of the council cards, um, which is just kind of uh, listening to my what was it? Uh, listening to my constituents. Um, just kind of using the table to come to decisions. Uh, council's judgment, right. Code Stody Squire, Silvala's Stampede and Split Decision, all kind of like... Yeah. Uh, just that nice... Uh, it's just yeah. like a nice conspiracy section. So. Well, uh, and a card like Custody Squire, I know that, mm-hmm. you know, realistically, it comes back, you get one creature card, well, you get one card from your graveyard to back to your hand. And it may not even be the one you really want, but I just, I love that card. Yeah. Uh, it's a common, and it, you know, it's a squire. It fits the theme. <laughs> so, And it's a 3-3 flyer. I mean, for five, but like... But you are getting a card back from your graveyard, and... Exactly. With a, you know, with a little bit of work, you're going to get something decent. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't... Uh, I've used it in the past and managed to get some pretty decent stuff back in my hands so yeah and that's that's the gist of the deck is just kind of like this tiered uh look into uh a castle life um something i wanted to mention before uh the i end here um my lands i put zero effort into um i did not really think it through very well um i did have three of the castles um i put in reliquary tower to make sure i keep all cards in my hand uh without having to discard them to hand size war room felt uh flavorful throne of the high city felt flavorful and i mean monarch card uh obviously temple of the false god uh but obviously i didn't add in any multicolored lands which is a huge problem um, so I think if I gave this another run through, I would, I think that's the biggest thing I would change. Um, I think that, yeah. Oh, I just realized I forgot a whole section, but, um, yes, we haven't talked about the Knights. Yes. Uh, well, it'll be uh, a quite wise way to end this. Uh, I chose seven Knights to protect my realm. Um, thus dubbing them the Knights of the round ta- table. Uh, I chose the the five from Eldraine, uh, the the whole cycle. Um, some of them are eh, but I figured they needed to be in there, uh, at least for flavor flavor purposes. Uh, then I had Sir Gwyn because she's pretty badass and uh, yep. a real good card. I don't actually think I have any. I think I've yeah. I don't actually have any uh, <laughs> equipment that I would put on any of my own creatures, but whatever. Um, and then Danith Capuchin, which also just like real solid card, especially for a three job. It's a two, two first strike vigilance lifelink, uh, or an equipment spells you cast cost one less to cast. Uh, I've got a couple of auras. Here, okay. So, so, uh, that's my pretty little deck. Well, Andy, very impressive. Very Thank impressive. you. Um, just a couple of the cards that I was, that I was looking at. I that really caught my eye. Uh, I really like Keeper of the Keys or Keeper of Keys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's in to be fair, it's in my deck as well, and that's part of the reason why it, it really sort of 
cued, cued in for me. The idea that on the beginning of your upkeep, if you're the monarch, creatures you control can't be blocked this turn. I mean, mm. it's that's just nothing screams you got to get the monarch away from me more than that. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, here comes the beating, you know. Uh, yes. Yeah. You're going to make them pay if they don't do something about it. I really like that one. Um, I like Magic Mirror if for no other reason than it just it hits the flavor so hard. It works really well for me. Humble Defector. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the idea. I mean, it does fit the Monarch theme. It does fit that whole idea of the king and, you know, the the runaway. I, I, I love that idea. Of course, you know, when you, when you mentioned the Humble Defector with a king... Uh, all I can think of is uh, Game of Thrones and the uh, that poor fellow who gets his head chopped off very early in the first, in, in literally <laughs> chapter one. Um, yeah. But uh, it fits the theme and it definitely starts drawing you cards because it, it doesn't take that much to convince an opponent to, you know, to toss it back to you. So, yeah. Um, I mean, like, even if you're not trying to do that, it just goes right around the table. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think this is a I think this is great. I, I'm I, I, I yeah I want to build it now. Yeah, <laughs> well I love the you know the theme definitely flows all the way through the deck and I I just I really appreciate that. I think it's uh, well done, well done. Thank you. Great work, Andy. Great work, Bruce. Well, thank you. And thank you to everyone who's been listening for the past thirty episodes. Uh, this feels like a big moment for us um, as we head on to season four. Again, uh, we will be having the next two weeks off, so expect us on that third week, uh, rising and shining for season four, uh, our best season yet. Coming out guns blazing. Coming out guns blazing. Um, but I uh, hope you all are enjoying your summer. Uh, we'll see you very soon from me, Bruce. Everyone here at the Temple of the False Pod, thank you so much for listening. Uh, our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Again, thank you for listening. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the Temple. Bye! Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, Also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.